Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another week of Don't Box Me In. I am your host, Lana Reed, and before we start today, uh, let me share a quick childhood story with you. Uh, when I was much, much younger, maybe like uh, 12 years or so, I remember going to my mother and telling her with much enthusiasm that I wanted to be an actress. Without missing a beat, my mother, knowing her child was incredibly shy and clumsy, said, that's good, baby, but you might want to have a backup plan just in case. And uh, there are times when we want to be things in life, do things in life that are really not in our makeup to do. And we need a little tap on the shoulder like my mother gave me to shift us in the right direction. And by the way, I've gotten over the shy thing, but I still have been known to trip over my own two feet from time to time. Today, my guest is a straight, no chaser kind of guest, like the advice my mother gave me years ago. He shows people how to have a happy and rewarding life while guiding them on the path that they were destined to walk. Chris Sprague is a keynote speaker and best-selling author, as well as a member of the John C. Maxwell team, and he is here with us today to show us how to live how we were wired to live. It is with great pleasure that I welcome Chris to Don't Box Me In. Chris, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you very much, Lana. It's an honor and a privilege to be on. I look forward to spending a great hour with you and your, and your thousands upon thousands of guests today, or listeners, I should say. Well, they're all guests, right? They're all guests in our little little two-person house for the next hour. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. I'm so pleased to have you with me and uh, waiting to hear, you know, about this wiring thing. Uh, so, Chris, tell me this. It says, I was reading the website, it says that you are an international transformation and empowerment ambassador. What exactly does a transformation and an empowerment ambassador do? Yeah, great question. And I, and I can tell you that that's probably the most either that or how, or what is this whole wiring thing is, you know, definitely ranks up there in the top two questions I get asked. So just like any ambassador, I'm out, I'm out in an attempt to spread those words. And I, I, I use the word attempt very cautiously because as you know, from, from being in and around people who, who love to grow, I mean, as Master Yoda once said, there is no try, only do. But, you know, <laughs> um, the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that some people, are open and receptive to not only being inspired and, and empowered and then transformed in their lives, and others aren't. So I do the best I can every day um, to get on radio shows, uh, TV, to do appearances, uh, to do whatever I can to get people to understand that the biggest thing holding them back is their wiring and not living to and understanding that. And that once they do, they have the power to transform their lives, and they can see that power, um, you know, in themselves and, and be better. And before we go any further, I just want to say one thing. I loved your story, um, and it's it, it actually an interesting example of, you know, maybe how the world could have masked over your wire. In other words, while your, your mom said, hey, you might want to have a backup plan, you knew, I mean, you're on the radio now, you're doing this, and, and you know, you're doing so many other things. You know, you knew this was how you were wired. It might not have been the parents of the world, but you knew deep in your heart and your soul, this is how you were wired. And it's amazing what happens when you find that gift, when you find what's inside of you, 
and it just lets you blossom. Let me give you a real quick example. I know we've got, I know you've got a million questions, but let me just give you one more real quick example. Um, okay. This first example is kind of similar to yours. Being, I was acting since the time I was five. So I mm-hmm. loved, I loved acting, I loved sharing with people. And it's funny, because people say, well, you were acting, and, and it's different than sharing. And, and for me, it wasn't. For me, it was all the same. I mean, I saw people's faces light up. I saw that I could take a concept or something that was foreign to them. Like the first play I was in, I was a wizard, and, and I waved a magic wand over an oven, and some kids inside popping cotton balls out. I don't remember what the whole little play was about, but mm-hmm. I remember... People loved it, and I remember I could make people, I could make people happy, and I remember that I loved being on stage. So fast forward many, many years, um, my, my, my voice is much younger than I, my voice is much younger than I am. Um, <laughs> so fast forward many years, um, I was an entertainer and a disc jockey when I left high school. Um, I always thought this was kind of the business I was going to be in, at the, or, or being a professional bowler and. We can talk about that later, kind of like how many people tapped me on the shoulder said, you need better have a backup plan when I told everybody I wanted to be a professional bowler. But the <laughs> point is this. Well, I, I was fairly good at bowling on television, and, you know, I had some success, but mm-hmm. it wasn't a thing that many people thought you could make a profession out of, and even today, bowlers are the lowest paid athletes out there. But it was fun. It was something that I could do better than anybody else. But to, to get myself back on track and wrap this round, here's the point I want to make. After I left high school, I needed to make a lot more money than I could make entertaining. So I got into IT and spent 15 years sitting behind the desk. Now I was, I was very, I was very successful in IT. That's because God had blessed me with a couple of different talents. One happened to be technical. In fact, I run a company that focuses on speaker, coaches, trainer websites and creating and getting them on the internet. So I still have a company that does that. I started that company doing it for myself and then migrated to doing it for other people. Um, but this is where my, my passion and my, my wiring uh, lies, and it took a whole lot for me to get back there and understand the world had masked over my wiring. So as we get into your next question, one of the topics, one of the thoughts I'm not sure I want all the listeners to think about is the fact that if you're struggling right now, if you're, if you're not succeeding to the level that you think you should, I have two things that I want you to keep in mind during the rest of this call. One, everybody, every single person is wired to succeed at something. You just got to figure out what it is. So the whole point is, regardless of what you're wired to succeed at, and later on I want to give you some examples of people, how, you know, and, and how they were wired to succeed. But whatever it was you're wired to succeed at, once you find it, you will. And the reason that you probably haven't found it yet is the world has masked over your wiring. And it happened in age when you were too young to realize what was going on. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was, okay, point one was everybody is wired to succeed. And did I miss the second point? Um, the, the second point was that if you, if you don't, if you're not seeing it right now, like there's a lot okay. of people, especially when I go out and try to, you know, and do my best to empower people, a lot of people say, I can't see it right now. Or okay. a lot of people okay. have been told forever by some of the big names in our business, you know, like, like Tony Robbins is a great example. He would say you can be whatever you want to be. And I think a lot of these programs are great. The issue I take with it is the fact that once you tell somebody they can be anything they want to be and don't qualify it, you're actually putting more pressure on them and you're doing them more harm than good in some situations. 
So what I do is I say, look, you can be whatever you want to be in the wiring. You're wired to be a success in something. Let's figure out what that. Let's figure out what that is. And the reason you can't see it. The, the second part of that is the reason you can't see it is because the world has masked over it and has covered it up, and that all happened in age before you were too young. When you were too young to know what was going on. Okay, so basically, not everybody is qualified to go on uh, American Idol and sing a tune. I mean, that might not be your successful strategy in life, correct? Exactly, and the beautiful part about that example is. You know, some people would say, well, you know, like American Idol, you have to be good looking, you have to be all this, and if I'm not, if I don't fit this package, what people think of as a, as a successful singer, then regardless of what my voice and everything else says about me, I won't be able to do it. And Susan Boyle is a great example where if you look at her, there's no way you're thinking, uh, you know, your preconceived notion about Susan Boyle would be X, and it would not be a great singer. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden she's outside of tune and it's like, holy cow, where'd that voice come from? True. And that's a great, it's a great example of where, and, and this is why people, there's a lot of times that people will question me, and I'm going to wrap this up real quick, because I think appearance is important here. A lot of times people question and say, well, does that mean that you're limiting people with physical limitations? And I say, no, not at all. Mick Boyachich is a great inspirational speaker. The guy's got no arms and no legs. He has, when he was, he was born with no arms and no legs, and in theory, if you look at him, he would have no reason to be on the stage speaking. Mm-hmm. He captures out, he tells great stories, and he's a very inspirational and, and motivational speaker. In fact, he's spoken with John Maxwell, you know, like, there's a lot of YouTube videos. Please don't ask me to actually spell his last name, because it's a very interesting kind of foreign last name, great guy, too. I think if you search Nick and John Maxwell, you'll probably find one of their videos. But the point here is this, don't let your physical parents what the world has told you is mm-hmm. your calling or your wiring to, to, to mess you up anymore. Let's go find your real wire. So we were talking about, uh, we started to talk about the wired thing. And um, before I get into that, I want to let people know that you, you help people, certain kinds of people have a better a life. And if I'm reading it right on, on the website, um, there's three types of people that you help, and those are entrepreneurs, small to mid-sized business, and unemployed and underemployed individuals. In your work, what kind of challenges have you found that these types of people uh, face? Yeah, and, and that's a great question. Part of the reason I focus on people, those, those three specific types of people, is because I've been there, and I you know, understand where they're at. Um, I'm going to focus. Let's focus on unemployed people for a second. One of the one of the challenges that I find that unemployed people have is the fact that when you're unemployed long enough, you start to question your worth, your own value, and you really start to question everything. And then you start to lose things around you. I'm going to tell your audience a real quick personal story that I got to slow down here for a second. And uh, part of the reason I'm so passionate about helping unemployed people is because. In the span of two years, I went through two layoffs. I was very successful in IT. I was making six figures. I mean, it was, you know, the, the future was so bright I had to wear shades. Now I really date myself. So for people who understand the reference, now at least you get kind of a, kind of a background of how old I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but the point of this is that, um, with, you know, after the second layoff, I thought it was going to be easy to get back in to, to my previous profession. And it just wasn't the case. And I had been laid off for, 
going on a year when I joined up with John Maxwell and we started the coaching teaching public speaking certification program. Um, a couple months after I joined up, I went and I started, <clears throat> I started the business. At the beginning, the business wasn't successful as it, as it could have been, as it should have been. Fast forward a couple of years and, um, you know, my wife, uh, I wasn't there. We, we had no luggage flying, and now ex-wife, you can see I still want So, mm-hmm. so fresh in my mind that I like, um, the whole point is this, is that because we had no children, uh, but my wife came in one day and said, you know, basically, you know, find a real job, get out of doing this, get out of doing what you're doing when I'm leaving. And um, I moved so passionately in, in helping others that um, I said, no, i got to keep pushing through on this and be successful eventually. Um, in common enough time, I'm now divorced, and when I talk about losing everything, going from being very successful employed to unemployed to losing everything, you know, I've been there. I've done that. I've got a T-shirt to, you know, got a, kind of got a T-shirt to prove it. That's one of the reasons why I focus on unemployed people. To wrap this back up to, to make sure I ask you a question directly, part of the challenges unemployed people face is that not only have, has their wiring been masked so they probably have, they probably don't even know how they're wired anymore. Um, can't even see it. Like I couldn't. Um, they're, they're, they start to question, okay, you know, they haven't worked for a year, they haven't worked for two years. Everything I've tried has it's failed. Now I'm starting to lose my family, my friends. I'm embarrassed. One of the things they, they, they face is they get embarrassed to go to family functions. And mm. they don't realize they're embarrassed. It's kind of tough deep down inside. In other words, they just stop wanting to go. They don't want to admit they're embarrassed because they're not, they're not, uh, they're not able to get back in the workplace. And one of the things I coached them through is, look, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. We had a terrible time. I'm going to wrap this up in less than 30 seconds. We had a terrible time back in, in, in the late 2000s and early 2010s. And there were a lot of people who were in that situation. Mm-hmm. And the people who got out of it, Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, Chris, we're going to take our first break of the day. Stay tuned. We'll be back right after this commercial break. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, 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 and welcome back. I am with Chris, the International Transformation and Empowerment Ambassador. And uh, before the break, we were talking about wiring. And Chris, one of the points that you make is um, the world likes to tell us that we can be anything that we want to be. But your emphasis is we can be anything that we are wired to be. And I'd like to spend a little bit of time clarifying what exactly is the difference in that yeah exactly here's the thing of it when we're born we're all born with um i guess the best way to put it would be a success code within us and it's what we're wired to do um it's what makes some people great um some people great uh carpenters and other people great Speakers. It's what it's what makes some people great on the computer, and it's what other it's what makes others um, you know great with a pen and paper. Let's say 
and we're all we're all born with this success code, our wiring inside of us. And what happens is, is that over time, the world ends up masking over it. Um, and you know, maybe it's that we don't have a supportive family. Like I'll give you an example. I love. I'm adopted. Um, and I was an only child, so of course I was a spoiled brat. Um, <laughs> I'm my, familiar with the only child was, syndrome. I'm familiar with the only child yeah. syndrome. I'm one of them myself. <laughs> there you go. I was going to say, if my folks are listening, they'll probably say, Mark, this day in time down, he's admitted he's a spoiled brat. Um, but here's the thing of it. When I was growing up, they were supportive in some things, but, but not completely supportive in all areas. Like as an example, you know, my, my adopted dad was very supportive when I wanted to play football. Um, they were bowlers themselves, so they were supportive when I wanted to go bowling. Um, they were supportive in some areas, but they were never, they were never overly supportive of my acting. Mm-hmm. Um, they were never overly supportive of my, of my singing, even though I was in the Pennsylvania Boys Choir, which for those of you who don't know is kind Kind of like it's not kind of it's the top boys choir in the world. I mean, it is you know it's a so, but they weren't. They never saw that as a um, as a viable thing to do. They were kind of your traditional parents of you know do something that's going to be able to make you money. I mean, I grew up in a small town where short version is is that you most people went to work for a factory, worked there forty five years, got to go watch and retired. Gotcha. So. So it took me a long time, and I had to force against all of that, all of that masking of that wiring. And when push came to shove, and when money was tight, I said, "Okay, I'm going to listen to I'm going to listen to my adopted parents who say, hey, you can do stuff with computers. Why don't you do that?'" And I just kind of forgot everything else I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then over time, it became it just became natural. It, you know, it's like okay. It was just a hobby, and what I didn't realize at that point is it, it was it was how I was you know how I was wired. Let me give you one of the quick example. Okay. Um, when I when I would come home from school, I'd go to my adopted mom. Hey, I gotta tell you about my day. I want to just tell you about my day, and she would say, you know what? I love you, Chris, but wait till my story is over. So we didn't um. have ECRs back then. And I'd wake up in the morning and, and I'd go to my doctor dad, hey, you know, let me tell you that all this great stuff I learned on the news today. I mean, I was watching the news when I was like in first grade. I was turning on, <laughs> turn on the news and watch the stock market in first grade. And uh-huh. then I go try and tell my adopted dad about it. And he'd go, you know, I love you, but can't you read the paper this morning? And the interesting thing about that is that they weren't being nasty. They weren't being negative. It was just they were unknowingly covering over my my wiring. Mm-hmm. And, you know, eventually it got to a point where, you know, where I finally let that mask and that covering um, be, you know, consume me, so to speak. Um, and I lived to what other people, you know, wanted me to do. Okay. Okay. And now this brings me to... My my next question, because um, you're like a perfect example of it. Now, we don't always live how we're wired to live. We don't always do what we are intended, our purpose, our calling is to do. But at the same time, we can be very successful at doing something else. W- what happens when we, we're doing something that we're not supposed to do, we're good at it, but it's really not what we're wired to do? What What kind of complications come into play? 
Yeah, you probably end up being more stressed, more frustrated. I shouldn't say probably. What what I experienced through myself and, and others I've worked with, you, you end up being more stressed. You be you're more frustrated, and eventually it just starts to it just starts to pull you apart. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that you know I believe that we're all born with with a couple of at least. Two or three gifts. Usually, people get two or three. Mm-hmm. And the nice part is, is the gifts you're born with can get you through the tough times. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you utilize them, you'll probably achieve a level of success, mm-hmm. but you won't achieve that ultimate level of success that will sustain you for life and 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 keep you happy for life. Okay. Okay. Now, this brings me to one of your projects that you have is the Wired to Thrive project. Uh, what what exactly is that about? How, what do you show people with that one? Yeah, that's where we did. That's where we take a deep dive in, and we work with okay. people on on how to figure out how they're how they're wired. Um, and you know, it's something that you know people you know we get together on on conference calls, on webinars, that sort of thing, and just pull people together and and go through it and and do everything that we can to help people figure out how they're wired. Because once you do, that's when you really start to start to thrive. Like, let me give you another quick example. Um, you know, when I started off this, when I started off doing coaching, teaching, and public speaking, I thought because I had a master's in leadership, um, a good old six-year master's of science and leadership, and, and because I was working with John Maxwell, that my that my main, uh, main path to people would be teaching them leadership first and then everything else second. And what I didn't realize is that I was really wired to teach them empowerment and transformation and teach them about how they were wired. And then once we figure that out, if you're a leader, I've got great leadership material to go behind it. And the reason I bring all this up is because when I first started off, I mean, I was lucky to get, you know, I think the first year when I did this, I got one radio interview in the first year and maybe (laughs) one radio interview, one radio interview in the second year. Um, Since I've been doing this, I'm now up to averaging almost one a day at this point. And as I tell people, it's kind of like, you know, I mean, I love the initial, I love the podcast. People who are just starting off will be happy to do them all just because it's a blast. Mm-hmm. Um, but now also my my invites have gone from, you know, I'm people who are begging for, for people to be on their show to people like yourself, Lana, who are syndicated. You know, I've been on, I've been on syndicated radio and that sort of thing. So it's even the progression of, of the quality, not necessarily quality. Don't take that the wrong way, but the yeah, I guess I don't know how else to put it. But it's opportunity, it's the, the opportunity, inner- progression of the opportunity. Yeah, got gotcha, you, gotcha. Yeah, exactly. And you know your and your story, your story. Sh- not to cut you off, your story kind of sheds light. I, I guess I want to go back to, um, you know, one of the groups that you help is the you know the un- unemployed and underemployed. And I think sometimes in life when we we hit these like pit stops and we get kicked out of a job or, you know, we lose a job or something like that. We're so woe is me. This is, this is terrible. I don't know how, you know, I'm going to recover from this, but it's actually like opportunity and disguise. It's kind of like, you know, the knock in the head to say, Hey, you know, you weren't doing what you were supposed to be doing. So I'm going to make you do what you were supposed to be doing and look what, how everything is going to blossom and you're going to have these wonderful opportunities start to grow from what you thought was the worst of the worst. Um, you know, and I think that's kind of, you know, 
like in your situation, you, once you started doing what you were designed or you were wired to do, you went from, you know, you saw the growth from the one speaking engagement or one show to now, you know, you're in high demand. And I think people need to realize that once you start walking the walk that you're supposed to be walking, it's just amazing how many unlimited um, opportunities that are, you're, you're exposed to. Yeah, ex- exactly. And it's interesting because I'm a faith-based person, so I believe in God. And for those of you who do, wonderful. For those of you who don't, wonderful as well. I'll give you a different way to look at it. God's a grand overall designer, so I believe even even atheists and even – I believe everybody believes in some other higher power. Your higher power may, may merely be evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, there, It might be Buddha. It might be – you know. It, 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 you know, it could be anyone. So, mm-hmm. so when I when I talk about the whole concept of you know wiring, your higher power has wired you to do something, and I believe that the higher power that exists wants people to be successful. Because let's face it, um, wouldn't have made us in his image if he didn't, his or her image if if he didn't, if he mm-hmm. or she didn't. And let's face it, there's there's no reason for people not to be successful in their own you know in their own area. Um, of, of life, and it's, you mentioned something I think is very, very key and very critical, Lana, is the fact that I call it the feather and the two by four. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we get to tickle the feather. You know, for me, it was I wasn't getting promoted as fast as I, as I, as I. Not don't don't take this the wrong way. I don't feel I don't feel I was entitled, but with my background, and everything else, I didn't mm-hmm. see promotions happening as fast as I thought they should. Um, so that was kind of my my you know my little feather, and then. Uh, you know, a little bit stronger, the feather was getting laid off. Like the first time should have given me a hint. The second time was, okay, you really aren't getting me, so we're going <laughs> to, you know. And then the, the, the two-by-four was just I had all of these final round interviews that I wasn't able to get over the hump, and that was kind of finally my two-by-four to say, okay, there's got to be something else different out there. Um, so listen, you know, I recommend people listening to the feather and, you know, hopefully before they get the two by four, cause the two by four can be very, very painful. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, it ranges all the way from a two by four upside the head where you got a mild concussion to you're putting in a, you know, it's like me, I almost feel like I was putting in a coma for a year. And, and believe me, you know, people cringe and say, look, I've lost family members in fact, last, end of last year. I lost my mom to cancer. Um, very, very, very tough time. So I'm not belittling people and, 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 and doing and saying what I was in was equal to somebody who was truly in a medical coma. Mm-hmm. There is though, is a, you, you end up going through something very, very similar because, you know, you, you get to the point where you're questioning everything and you don't know how to get out of it. Um, similar to people, you know, that, that they say they're in comas that are actually mentally aware. You know, you're mentally aware, you're screaming at people like, get me out of this, and you just can't get out of it. So um, listen to the feathers and maybe the, 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 the one by three before it becomes a two by four. <laughs> true, <listening>. true, true. <laughs> good pointers, good pointers. Well, Chris, we're going to take our uh, next break of the day. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more Chris right after this. Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm spending today with Chris Sprague, uh, the International Transformation and Empowerment Ambassador, and he's teaching us how to pay attention to how we are wired so that we can have more fulfilling lives. And uh, before the the break, he was talking to us about uh, paying attention to, um, explain to us feathers versus uh, the two by four and hopefully we won't ever get to that point where we get clocked upside the head with the two by four and Chris that brings me to a video that I saw on your YouTube channel 
um, about intuition and speaking about me personally, you know, I can, I'll be the first to admit that I can be a knucklehead at sometimes. And I've been in situations where my intuition was talking to me and, you know, I kind of said, ah, whatever. And I hit my head up against the wall. And then there were other times where, you know, my intuition's like, Hey, Lana, pay attention to me. And I kind of sat there and I thought about it and I thought about it and I thought about it. And I still ended up knocking my head up against the wall because I thought too long. So how is it that you get to that perfect place where you can, you know, like you're in tune with your intuition and you can you can harness the power of it? Yeah, it's great. I'm sitting back chuckling because I've been in the same situation. <laughs> it's kind of the, you know, you, you're sitting there and, and um, you know, you're sitting there, you're looking at something and, and you know, if you're fake, you're going, God, give me a sign, give me a sign. <laughs> and, you, you know, you hear your intuition and you look up and go, are you sure about that? Are you really completely 100% sure? You know, you you kind of, after a while, when you look back at your life, you go, you know what, why didn't God just get a literal two by four smack me over the head? Because, you know, it's like that burning bush over there. Is that really for me? Okay. No, right. That's a movie. Uh, There was a movie. I can't remember. Oh, my God, I'm getting old. But there was a movie. And I think the opening credits was, you know, the guy's driving down the street. and He's like, God, just give me a sign. Give me a sign. And there's like all these signs along the way. But the guy's not paying attention. And, you know, God's like, look, I'm trying to tell you, but you're not paying attention. And I think, man, you know, if we would just learn, we would save ourselves so much trouble if we just paid attention. Well, and here's, and here's the thing of it. There's, you know, people are scared. I mean, there, there's a fear. There's a natural fear that, that is inside of everybody, and it comes from our DNA, and it comes from when we had the, you know, it's the fight or flight syndrome. Mm-hmm. What happens a lot is that people people hear the intuition, but they're they're scared to listen to it because if they're, you know, because their their excuse is if they're wrong then, you know, what will happen? And usually, the, if they're wrong, the worst that happens is they're no worse off than where they are today if they don't listen to the intuition. But the best that will happen is they're ten times further than they are today. Um, it's kind of like back in the old days where you used to have the little devil and the little angel sitting on your shoulder. Mm-hmm. So I believe your intuition, the intuition is always that angel. It's trying to put you in the right direction. And then on your other shoulder, you've got the gremlins or the devil. You call them mm-hmm. devils, gremlins, whatever. Um, and the worst part is, is sometimes those gremlins are there to protect you, and it's because you've been hurt in the past. Like, mm-hmm. That's a great example. When I was a kid, I used to break dance. Now I'm really dating myself. Yes, as a kid, <laughs> I got down on the floor, did the spins, and I was kind of a little, you know, um, it, you know, it was, it was kind of very interesting, you know, especially <laughs> in a, especially in a high school that was not by rule all white. It just happened to be an area I grew up in with a rural area, and. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it was. It was hilarious. Um, it really was, actually. But here's, here's the point is that, and I'm glad you're getting a big kick out of this, Lana. At least, at least I make you smile today. I'm just trying to um, picture because, you know, I've seen your picture on the website. So I'm trying to picture like little Chris at high school, you know, with the cardboard on the ground trying to do his thing. So I'm sorry. I'm so, I apologize. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. That's, Tell your story, no, Chris. Okay. Tell your story. Actually, actually, it wasn't even high school. This was, this was, this was grade school and middle school. So I was I, I I'm the Dick Clark of this thing. I'm a little older than most people think. But anyway, um, so, so here's the point is kids would ask me to do it, and then they would make fun of me. Uh-huh. And what the last time I did it in front of kids was they asked me to get down and do some stuff, so I did it, and one of the kids came up and kicked, literally kicked me while I was doing it. I mean, their, their goal was to try and kick my butt somewhere so that, you know, they could they could laugh and, and literally kick my butt and, and mm-hmm. laugh. Um 
and, and you know, it's something that uh, I'm trying to remember exactly where we started this, but the reason the reason I tell that story is the fact that um, oh, the gremlins. So what had happened to me over my life was every time I get to a point where I had the opportunity to maybe be a little more successful than I was, and my intuition would tell me to go after an opportunity, mm-hmm. my gremlin from the from my grade school days would come out, and it would it would make me think twice, mm-hmm. um, and it would change the way I did things because that was the that because it was a fear that you know it was a fear that had been implanted in me that any time I took a chance that people would, people would make fun of me. Um, mm-hmm. Now there's one video out, there's one video out on my YouTube channel that talks about, I think it's the one about fear and I think it was the one about fear of weight loss and fear of success. And I believe mm-hmm. at the end of that video, I'm asking, I think that's the one I'm asking the crowd to repeat after me. And mm-hmm. when you, if you watch the video, you'll hear it's like five, 600 people in the crowd just shouting back at me. And I'm gonna admit something I don't normally admit. It was the first time I tried that ending. And that was mm. on stage, the same stage John, John Maxwell was going to be on. So mm. I mean, I'm on a fairly, I'll say a fairly big stage. If mm. I wasn't able to overcome, overcome that fear of, of, of being made fun of, um, mm. that day would have went completely different. And who knows what would have happened in my, in my speaking career. Um, but as you can see by, by that, by that video, um, you know, I'm fairly good at commanding an audience and God's blessed me with that, with that ability. Thank goodness. Cause it's kind of a good one to have. If you can't command an audience and you want to be a public speaker, you might be it's the lost cause. I don't know. Just, just saying, just saying. Lost cause. Yeah. You, you have to be one. able to get your audience's attention. Yeah. Cool so stuff. that's the, you know, that's what, it, yeah, and that's what it boils down to is the fact that, you know, and it's the whole masking of the, it's the masking of the wiring and the gremlins that come out that prevent people from listening to their intuition and really questioning it. Um, now, I'm going to, before we go on to the next question, let's say one thing. Does this mean it's always going to be successful? No. And I'm going to be the first to tell you, you're going to listen to your intuition, and at some point you're going to fall flat in your face. But I will give you a 99.9% guarantee why it happens. Because mm-hmm. you're not fully listening, because you're not fully listening to your intuition. Like, if I would have been tentative, and I would have been scared, and I would have been worried about getting laughed at, and I would have let the, and I would have not listened to my intuition, fully and just said, I'm going to let it all hang out and just go and do it, then it would not have come off as well. And so it is with all of you that are listening to me. You know, you're going to, if you, you know, once you get the intuition and you do it, you got to make a hundred percent commitment to, to do it. And you got to, you got to, you can't be tentative. You just got to go for it because if you're tentative and if there's some question, you have more of a risk of failing and bringing about what you're afraid to have happen. Let me give you one more quick example. Then we'll move on to the next question. Okay. Um, I was afraid of lose. I was afraid of losing my wife okay. and I was afraid of switching my business model to go toward, to go towards the people that I appealed to, which was mostly, I mean, I'm going to admit it. It's mostly a female audience for whatever mm-hmm. reason. I haven't figured it mm-hmm. out yet. But most of the coaches I work with say it's because of the message, because it's more, gotcha, yeah. it's more interest, it's more introspective message. So I was afraid to take on women clients because I was afraid of what it was going to happen, what it was going to do to my marriage, because I was afraid that it might make my wife jealous. That's mm-hmm. I was afraid of everything. She never said it would. So I didn't listen to what everybody was telling me. And I didn't listen to my own intuition, which was just go after the clients that your mess, that your message resonates with. 
And I was afraid of, because I was afraid of losing my marriage. I lost my marriage because I didn't fully go in the direction, no matter how many signs were given me, no matter how many two by fours. The last mm-hmm. funny story, people question, I, I'll never forget, I was working with a coach, and this will be less than 30 seconds. I was working with a coach. He said, Chris, look, if I do, his name is Charlie McDermott. His kid is on the, the te- television show, The Middle. He runs the business okay. on the network back here in Philadelphia. So if, you, if Charlie McDermott rings a bell, it's because he's big in the GKIC world and also his kids on the, like I said, the television show, The Middle. He helped him get that job. Short person, he said, he said to me, Chris, you, you, your message resonates best with women. And I didn't believe him. Well, I, I kind of didn't want to go in that direction because I didn't want to lose my marriage because of my fears. Short version is about a week later, I'm on stage doing an event. And I look around, and in the middle of one of my bits, I'm looking around going, holy cow, there's one guy in, like, the rest of the <laughs> and, and I'm going, this is, you know, it's like, and I still didn't listen. So I'm a, I'm a product of also not listening to <laughs> two by four, so at least until now. So anyway, long way of saying, long way of getting around just the fact that, you know, when you, if you start to question your intuition, it's, it's the majority of the time it's the gremlin on your shoulder trying to protect you or trying to keep you from growing. And we can talk much more about gremlins probably on another show. It's way too long to get into the last 15, 20 minutes we have here. But the point is this, is, is everybody has the intuition. Listen to it. Move forward. And do the best you can to, to move forward in full faith and confidence because uh, that will set you up for the for the, the biggest successes. Okay. Okay. And um, I, I know we need to move on, but the gremlin thing is kind of um, interesting to me. So just, just a few more seconds on this one um, because I think sometimes – Everything serves a purpose. So the the good guy on one shoulder and the gremlin on the other shoulder, I mean, they do work in conjunction for our overall benefit. It's just that we have to learn how to to balance them out ourselves. And, and is that the part that people struggle in? Like, no, today I don't need to listen to the gremlin. I need to listen to the other guy. Okay, today I kind of need to heed the gremlin. And no, I don't. Need, I mean, is there a balance or is it just we just need to totally wash the gremlin completely? Um, there, there might be a minor balance. I'm really hesitating on saying that because we, the gremlin, while he might appear friendly and he might be there for in sometimes the right reasons to protect you from getting hurt, mm-hmm. it's also what's protecting you from going to the next level. Like if I would have listened to my gremlin when I was on stage that day, I would never have done that close. I would have closed something very different, very safe. And I know I would not have gotten some of the opportunities I've gotten since then. So the gremlin is there. Partly the gremlin is there because he doesn't want to see you change. Um, because in our in our makeup, in our DNA, we're, we're resistant to change. So what I want you all to think about is this. It's not changing. It's going back to discover who you were. I mean, a lot of people say, well, wait a minute. So we can't, what about neuroplasticity? And we can't change our wiring and all the other stuff. And I'm going, what science, and, and here's, here's the way I look at it. What science is finally starting to figure out is we can rip our masks off and get back to what we should have been. That's mm-hmm. everything that's going on with neuroplasticity. That's everything that's going on with people who say they've changed. They're not changing. They're just going back to who they originally were before the world before the world put so much, you know, mask and, and, and paperwork and, and concrete and everything else over. And the problem with gremlins is this, because you know, we'll get we'll go back to focus on gremlins. The problem with gremlins is this. They're here if you listen to them, a lot of times you'll you'll be safe and you you know, things will be okay for a while. Um, mm-hmm. you know, 
just like my gremlin was, I didn't want to take on female clients because I was afraid of what my, it was telling me, look, you know, your wife is going to get jealous and then you're going to lose her. Well, mm-hmm. I didn't lose her because she got jealous. I lost her because I wasn't a success at that point. And, mm-hmm. you know, she's, it's not, it's not that she's out for, for money, but let's face it. I mean, I think I, I would hope all the women in the audience would agree that, you know, it's good to be part of a, a relationship where the guy can support, can support you <laughs> and the family, even if you, even if you can support yourself. And one real quick thing, here's, here's the personal plug. I, you know, I now finally figured out I need a powerful woman in my life because I need to be, I need to let go of my own gremlin. So all you powerful women out there, give me a call. We, we figure out what's going on because <laughs> cool I am officially stuff. divorced. But anyway, but, but the whole point is this is, so I let some of my fears and my gremlins get in the way. And that, you know, in the end, it's what happened. So in the end, the, the, what I was trying to prevent from happening happened anyway. Um, so listen to your gremlins at your own peril um, and, and, and believe that they're there for your best benefit at your own peril. Um, you'll probably never go farther than where you are today if you continue to listen to them. Um, but if you, if you don't listen to them and you get around good people who are in it for your good and want to help you go forward – and you listen to your wiring, not your gremlins, that's when you're going to succeed and go far. Good deal. Good deal. Good stuff about gremlins. Well, Chris, we're going to take our last break of the day. We'll be back with more. Don't box me in right after this. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Welcome back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. I have had a wonderful time today speaking with keynote speaker and best-selling author uh, Chris Sprague. And before, um, well, let me say before, uh, now I want to talk about uh, this book that you have out. I really like the title, and it is called The Secret Blueprint to More Blank. Uh, wh- what actually is the book about? Yeah, the, the book is, it, it's funny, kind of... I'm going to pause for a second. It's, it's part, uh, partly my evolution and partly the evolution of the message of how you're wired. Um, mm-hmm. released at the end of 2012, beginning of 2013. And, and, um, it was meant to show people that what's stopping them from success is a bunch of hidden barriers that they don't even realize that, that exist. Um, I admit little did I know at that point that it would kind of be the precursor and starting to get people to understand how they're wired. Because if you, if you don't realize these barriers exist, you can't get rid of them. And it's one of the first steps into understanding how you're, you know, how you're wired. So the book takes people through and says, okay, here's some things that you might not know that exist that if you don't, and now all of a sudden you realize, um, they're stopping you from achieving the success that you want to achieve. Let me give you one real quick example. One of the chapters talks about chasing the money and not your passion. And this mm-hmm. is something that affects people all walks of life, especially people who are unemployed and especially people who are um, who are entrepreneurs. And mm-hmm. for those of you who read the book, you understand that I shouldn't have said what I just said. That'll give, mm-hmm. that'll give people a hint and a tease and a, okay, what was he talking about? Um, it's the chapter on LY words. But mm-hmm. the, the point here is this, is people who have an entrepreneurial mindset are always looking for the next big thing and always attracted by ways to make money. And they don't stop and think, okay, is this part of my passion? Is this what I was mm-hmm. wired to do? Um, and they'll go off and they'll put all their efforts into something because they think they can make money. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden they realize they've gone down a path and they've walked a mile and 
they realize that the, you know, it's kind of like this. I'll give you a great example. You run out of gas on a highway and you have two directions you could walk in and you feel that just because you're going in this one direction, it's the right direction to walk in. So you grab your gas can, you start walking down the highway. And what you don't realize is you forgot you passed a, an exit one mile back and the next exit is 25 miles up. So mm-hmm. if you're walking ahead, you're going to walk for 25 miles until you realize, oh, sugar, I, <laughs> you know, I shouldn't have gone in this direction. Um, and it's the same way with chasing the money, not your passion. When you chase money, when you chase things you think can make you money just because you need money, um, mm-hmm. you're going to end up going in the wrong direction. It's going to take you so much longer to get back to where you were. Um, I was guilty of that for, for many years partially because of the layoffs and you, know, you, you get laid off, you run out of money, you, you tap mm-hmm. into the savings, you run out of savings, you tap into the 401k, you run out of that, you tap into the credit cards, you run out of that, and all of a sudden, holy cow, how do we get here? And it's because, mm-hmm. you know, every time you chase the money, it takes you off of your, off of your path. Yeah, it reminds me of a friend of uh, mine that I have, and no disrespect to multi-level marketing, but, you know, it's like every month he comes to me. He's like, hey, Lana, you know, there's this new multi-level, and all I have to do is invest $500, and I could be a millionaire, and then that doesn't work, and then like two months later, he'll come back, and hey, Lana, you know, I got this new, and you know, all I have to do is invest $250, and I can be, and it like never pans out for him, but he never seems to kind of like wake up and say, hey, maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. Well, and let me give your friend one, one real quick piece of advice and, and, you know, shameless plug sounds like a perfect client for me because, because of the fact that, um, I've, I've been there and done that in the, in the MLM space. And here's mm-hmm. what I mean. Um, I, I was the same way. In fact, back in the nineties, I even teamed up with a company called Watkins that sold spices and, and oils and all this other stuff because I owned the delicatessen. I figured, okay, natural fit. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I was not successful, but here's the thing in it. When I understood about my wiring, I looked back at my childhood and realized that back when I was a kid, I didn't even like going door to door to sell the wrapping paper and uh-huh. you know, back when work. You know, if, if you all from back in the 70s and 80s remember the wrapping papers and all yeah. the, get the little gifts. I didn't like, even though, even though my whole neighborhood, I loved everybody in my neighborhood. They were all like my grandparents, so to speak. Uh-huh. Um, and. And, and I was okay with them all. I hated doing that. Now, fast forward, I got caught up in all these trying to do, I mean, trust me, I, you know, Amway, and I'm not going to yeah, mention them all because I don't want to give them all plugs, but the whole point is whether it was financial services, products, energy, the whole nine yards, and finally I had to say, look, I'll be happy to come speak to your audience, but I'm just not a good, you know, it's not my personality. In fact, I lost weight on a, on a company that's a relationship marketing company, and mm-hmm. I still couldn't even get people to sign up to follow me as a health coach <laughs> on that because I, it's not the way I'm wired. I'm yeah, wired to be on the stage having, having fun like this. So mm-hmm. the point to your friend is this, and, and, and the whole point is you can tell me, hey, listen to this at, at two minutes and 50 or at, at 52 minutes in, and you mm-hmm. get your piece of advice. Go back and look at your childhood, at your past. Go back as far as you can and see if you ever were comfortable approaching people without their permission to even talk to them about anything. And if you can't find an instance where you were, then most likely you weren't, and you gotta stop with the MLM stuff. Now here's one of the things I do that, that I do with the, with the co-founder, the, I, I co-founded a, a society called the Professional Practice Builder Society. And what we do, my, my co-founder, Dr. Mark Kosman, and I show people how they're wired, how 
their ideal clients are wired, and then we help them create an attraction-based marketing campaign to draw clients to them. So here's the thing of it. If you're an MLM or if you're like your friend, Lana, if you aren't comfortable going approaching somebody, the only way possible that you will be successful in an MLM is if you understand how you're wired, how your clients are wired, and create attraction-based marketing campaigns to get them to come to you, not you to go to them. The problem is, is 98% of the relationship marketing companies don't let you do that. They don't mm-hmm. want you out advertising. They want you to go door-to-door and face-to-face. So you, you know, you've got a big struggle. Uh, you've got a big struggle ahead of you. But I'm finding more and more clients. In fact, I've got a real estate agent client right now who really needs this attraction-based marketing. And we're working, I'm working with them to um, improve their marketing so people will come to them and so that they can understand. And it's also called permission-based marketing. So I mean, okay. I'm getting way too deep into it, but the whole <laughs> point about your friend or any other MLM or is this. They're, they're great businesses if you're if you're comfortable approaching people and talking to people, and if you're just going into it because people promise you you can make millions, you know what? Invest it with me as a coach. I mean, mm-hmm. I'd rather take your money as a coach and help you figure out where you're going because you're going to be in the same place anyway. Let's face it. You know, let's call you know let's call it as it is. You either invest your money in a coach with me or somebody else who resonates you and figure out where you need to go, or invest your money in every single MLM that comes along and never make anything. So your choice. Whichever's good for you. True. That's right. You know, and it's more, it's back to more of that, you know, figuring out, you know, how you're wired and, and all of that stuff. So, I mean, we all need to, to work on that and, and see. So we don't keep on knocking ourselves up against the wall there. Um, Chris, I am at the end of my hour, but I want to make sure because w- when I received your promotional material um, to be on the show at the very closing, there were uh, a little nugget of information that you had that I want to make sure that I give to the audience before we go. And um, you said in order for people to have a more fulfilling life, they need to have uh, four truths that they need to live by. Number one is you deserve to live a life of fulfillment and happiness. Number two, you have the power within you to co-create the life you deserve. Number three, make each day the best day of the rest of your life. And number four is transform your thoughts and you will improve every area of your life. And I I just think that is so wonderful. And I want to make sure that I leave everybody with that. Uh, Chris, as I said before, we are at the end of the hour. I have truly, truly enjoyed uh, my day with you today. Oh, thank you, Lana. I re, you know, I appreciate everything. They, they appreciate you and everything you do for for people. It's an inspiration. You know, your show is an inspiration to people. So I'm just happy to be, have been a, a small part of it for an hour here. And, and you know, my hope for everybody is this: is that they hear those four truths and really take them to heart, and and also that they they that they've got something out of today. So hopefully, you've got at least one thing out of today. Um, if I can leave you with with something to be this: if you're now, if your brain is spinning because you've heard so much, what I want you to do is go back and re-listen to this. Take one more hour and re-listen to this. But listen to it with the thought of having one, of getting one thing out of it. Listen to it with that thought of just capturing one idea and then implement it in your life. And once you do that, you're going to start to see your life change almost immediately. Um, If I've resonated with you, please reach out. I would love to talk to you and see if we're a fit for each other. Um, If the message has resonated with you, but I personally haven't, we all have a different resonance factor. Some people people like the, the message but don't like me and that's okay find somebody who will help you and coach you through and figure out how you're wired because it really is 
that's that's your starting point. It goes deeper than your passion. It goes deeper than your purpose. It goes deeper than everything else. And once you figure that out, and that's what opens up all. It's it's what gives you the keys to the rest of the gates that are stopping you from from living the life you deserve to live. Good stuff. Good stuff. Thanks again, Chris, for being with us. Everybody, please make sure you check out Chris's website. That's Chris M. Sprague. That's S-P-R-A-G-U-E dot com. And with that, that's all for this week's show. I'll be back next week. Tune in.